Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name's Luke. My name is Dan. Ooh, intense voice for this one. Okay, so we are, this is third episode of The Three Body Problems, so we're finishing it up. And we've first got a little, a little news to discuss, Dan, that I've, that I've looked up a little bit, not too much about it, but I want, I want us to talk about it. Yeah, you, you mentioned this piece of news to me earlier in the week and it already got me freaking heated. So, right. Okay. That news is that the U.S., the United States is trying to rebrand natural gas with using the name or or changing the name of natural gas to molecules of freedom so i'm into it (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) there's so many all right all right all right all right all right all right right. first of all we should say that it's the white house that's making this push right so the white house in the u.s in the year 2019, has decided natural gas doesn't roll off the tongue very well. We need to change the name to Molecules of Freedom, which just from like a linguistic standpoint doesn't sound good. (laughs) You got to come up with, if you're going to rebrand to have some like fossil fuel propaganda, at least come up with a better name, guys. That's step one. well, okay, at least come up with a name that's not obviously nonsense. And here's the thing about it, Luke. Here's the thing. We make up names for stuff all the time. That's how anything gets a name. We just made it up. And to a certain extent, I think things like this are great. For example, uh, there was a period of time, I think during World War II, where we changed the name of French fries to Freedom Fries. Fine. I don't care. Do it. They're just potatoes. Whatever. Right. Okay, but this is like, this is very different. You can't just say that we didn't, we didn't do anything (laughs) to make the natural gas. Like we didn't, we didn't do anything. It's just in the ground and we, we pull it out. So, okay. So I think the point of this is... Part of it arose from the U.S. becoming a major exporter of natural gas. Yeah. So the idea is that we can make, when we're exporting it, we can make countries free from, I don't know, countries that are like doing bad things. Well, or like Russia or China or things like this. Like they can import their natural gas from us instead of a country that we don't like. Right. And is okay. And to be fair, is also maybe not doing the best stuff. But but my point is, when we change the name of French fries, in order to make a French fry, you had to do something to the potatoes. Okay, sure. It would be like if we exported water as Liberty Juice. You can't. <laughs> you're not adding anything aside from a name. This is not. You're not doing anything to it. I think my <laughs> my thing is that it's such an obvious it's so obviously like political or I don't know if political is the right term like propaganda but, in a way. Yeah. 
that sure freedom fries was also obviously propaganda but it's something that everyone was like sure <laughs> it was kind of more whereas, fun you know freedom fries is right, like oh, yeah. let's get some freedom fries today whereas i think probably a majority of the public in the united states is wants us to move away from fossil fuels yeah so the idea of changing the name to freedom or to I think it's freedom gas or molecules of freedom. Uh, both of those sound bad. Freedom gas sounds like Uncle Sam's farts, okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's just, no one feels good about that, I don't think. <laughs> this is what happens when you have no scientists in the White House right now. Nobody <laughs> nobody stopped the spin machine and was like, I don't think that this is going to fly, guys. <laughs> Which, right. Yeah, the the other thing about this is maybe, maybe this is just a stunt to keep us from talking about the real issues, Luke. Ooh. Like the aliens coming to invade Earth. Let's talk about three-body problem. All right, great transition right there. Yeah, okay, so we've, we've finished the book. So anything's fair game, Dan. Speaking of which, uh, I talked to a good friend of mine this week who is from China. She informed me we've been horrendously mispronouncing all the character names in this book we're gonna keep doing it for consistency's sake right that's the least surprising thing i've ever heard (laughs) yeah all right (laughs) fair enough but yeah okay yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep going with the names that we've been saying just because it would be confusing now so first off last episode we went through a lot of things that we were saying should be happening. One of those was that she, the police officer, should be busting up this meeting, which literally like three pages after where we stopped, he does. <laughs> yeah. Can we just kind of pat ourselves in the back a little bit for how right we were with she in, oh, yeah. in every aspect of his character, even down to the when he goes home at night, he's like trying to figure out how to support everyone. The very end of this book is all the scientists thinking, oh, man, we're we're screwed. There's nothing we can do. And she's like, pick yourselves up, dust yourselves off and get back to work. Damn it. Right. Yeah, I have. OK, I have a piece on she that I want to talk about a little bit later. OK, OK. So let's let's put a pin in that. Um. But okay, let's let's acknowledge that <laughs> the the qualms we had with she not doing stuff or the police not doing stuff right after we said that they do. So I I don't I guess our bad. I don't know. Not no, our. I I'd say good job everyone. I'd say good job all around. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna move us to this this flashback to. Oh, what's the Yi? Mm-hmm. When she kills the she kills her husband and the the head of this base or I forget his name. Yeah, she is is a little more intense than I thought, and it, these things just keep coming out of the blue. <laughs> well, I mean, she does this after she sends the message to aliens that dooms the whole human race right okay that's true yes that's the other thing that comes out of the blue but 
<laughs> I just think it's kind of funny. Well, funny is probably not the right word, but she learns that this guy had a copy and knows what she did. Yeah. Or knows most of what she did. Yeah. And then she's immediately like, I have to kill him. And then, and she then has this that chance. afternoon. Yeah. It's the same day. <laughs> she, she has this chance to do it. And and she says, or okay, so her husband, she gets to the point where she's going to have to kill her husband as well. And she's like, you know what? There's not going to be another opportunity. Which, first of all, <laughs> yes. It's literally said in that chapter that this guy does this all the time. So there's going to be an opportunity. <laughs> literally, someone is like, oh, that looks a little dangerous down there. And he's like putting on a bungee jumping suit and right. diving off the side of the cliff. Like, check this out. And she and she said, I don't know if she's the narrator in this circumstance, but she essentially says, yeah, whenever this happens, he goes and does it because he's trying to be a leader or something. So he's trying to show could, off. Let's be real. <laughs> OK, that's fair. So she could be doing this anytime, but she, she's like, whatever, I'm going to kill my husband too. Two birds with one stone, Luke. Or yeah, that's what rope, I think it is. I, guess. I think she was looking for a reason to kill her husband kind of, kind of subconsciously. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And to herself, she's like, you know what? I have to do this now. But really she's back in her mind like, yes, this is perfect. <laughs> She's like, this could not have worked any better. <laughs> now, if only I could get my kid on this rope. Oh, boy. I mean, she definitely was like the main force in killing her kid, too, right? Oh, yeah. Can, we can talk about that now. Because her kid killed herself because the aliens were leading scientists to believe that physics is pointless. And ye knew this was happening the whole time. Actually, okay, it's actually unclear if... So I think Yi can probably assume that's the case. Mm -hmm. But I think she did not know mm. that that was happening because that was a communication kept by the Adventists, I think is their name. And I don't think she had access to that. Okay, I think that's fair. I so she might fair. not have known the details, but she had to have known that this is caused by aliens doing something. Right. So I think that's a fair point. <laughs> so... Long story short, she definitely would have wanted her kid on that rope. Okay. We... Okay, I really want to talk about the game, but that's going to be a longer discussion. So before okay. we talk about the three-body problem game that everybody's a part of, can we talk about the scene where they slice the boat like a uh, cheese wire they use like cheese wire to slice a bunch of slices out of this boat yeah let's talk about it first off this is an example of she crushing it again brilliant plan yeah. she yeah second off i don't know if this would have actually worked <laughs> here's why okay to kill all the people i think it would have definitely worked the, the reason why I'm skeptical about it slicing the boat into, like, what did he say? It was, like, uh, one meter tall slices. Something. I think it was, I think it was like, half a meter or okay. something like that. But something along those lines. <clears throat> okay. Professor Dan is in the house. We're going right. to talk about cold welding. Okay. <laughs> 
cold welding is the process by which two pieces of metal can fuse together to become the same piece of metal without applying heat to it, right? Because if I have two bars of iron, the only thing that keeps them from like sticking to each other and being one bar of iron when you bring them together is the layer of like iron oxide on the outside of the bars. But they have this problem in space where if you kind of like wear two pieces of metal against each other, like if you rub them against each other, you can get them to stick because the atoms in the two different pieces of metal will kind of like form one solid because they don't form that like layer between them. So when this hyper thin wire is cutting through this boat, I think there would be more than enough pressure of the like higher layers down on the lower layers to have the metal, like to get the metal to cold weld to itself. So I think the boat may have like shifted a little bit and it might look real bad now, but I think it would probably have welded back to itself after the wire had passed through because the wire was so thin, because it wasn't taking off enough material to leave a big enough like gap where it could form like a pretty thick layer of oxide on the surface. I think that might've happened. The only reason I would bring this up is because this book likes to throw in cool science stuff. Right. This would have been a cool science stuff to throw in. That's true. Okay. Yeah, just... Yeah, that, would, that totally would have been. Because you're right that this book pretty often seems to throw in things that the author finds interesting about science, even if it's not necessarily a big part of the plot. So yeah, that would have been cool to throw in. Because it wouldn't have mattered... Because no. they're just trying to kill the people, right? Which it would have done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would have been cool to throw in. I'll give you that. Come on, guys. <laughs> the other thing that I wonder is at a certain point of thinness of this like flying blade that they used to cut the boat in half, at a certain point of thinness, I feel like it wouldn't kill anybody. Because hmm. I feel like you like your cells and stuff would just reform you know what i mean like the only i don't have a good explanation for why this is just a gut feeling this is a gut feeling If if it was thin enough i feel like it could go through you and then nothing would happen as in so you're saying a like atoms, for example, go through us all the time. Probably. I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> but if this wire was like one atom thick, I th- I feel like it could go through you and you'd be okay. As long as you didn't like shift a little bit. Because if the top part of you shifted a little bit from the bottom part, uh, there's no <laughs> way you're getting that genie back in the bottle. I don't... Th- so I don't think I'm on the same... I don't think I'm on board with you on this. No... Oh, all right. All right. Maybe not then. Maybe not. But that scene of the guy getting cut in half on the top deck was pretty brutal, Luke. Yeah. So I I thought this scene was actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Aside from the like cool cold welding thing that I could have been that I think could have been thrown in. Yeah, this was a very cool scene. Yeah. The way it's described as happening sounds super cool. Like it comes off in layers and 
I don't know. I could visualize it. And I thought that was, I thought that was one of the cooler scenes of the book. Yeah. Just because, I don't know. It sounded interesting. It sounded, it's very brutal (laughs) and kind of, it's kind of a detached, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's probably hundreds of people in here. Yeah. On this ship. But we only see like one of them die and no one really did it specifically. Right. But still, just just needs to be acknowledged that this was a bit of a mass murder. Can we also talk about how when they're setting up the plan, she's like, oh, they have to be this far apart. Otherwise, if somebody's <laughs> sleeping, it won't kill them. Yeah. Damn. That's she has thought about this too much, I would say. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. If somebody's sleeping when this happens, they're not a problem. The odds of them waking up, realizing what's going on, and deleting all the data, incredibly low. True. And surviving the ship collapsing on them, essentially. Surviving the ship turn into a deck of steel playing cards that's she you just wanted to see people sliced up yeah which i mean i get it it. yeah she just okay okay i'm gonna bring up the she thing that i had and that's just is he overpowered in this (laughs) you know i there's some books that i read where there's a character, like maybe the main character, not always the main character, yeah, is just overpowered and just like dominates people. I think she might be overpowered. Well, this is like, oh, who is the main character in, is it Rayodin, the main character in Elantris? Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Rayodin in that way. Rayodin felt pretty overpowered. She feels like Rayodin in that way. Yeah. Where he just, he can solve every problem. I kind of like it. I do too. I really like she. (laughs) I think it's kind of saved. It's saved by him being an asshole. You know? Yeah, I guess. If he was a cool, smart guy that was coming up with all the solutions to everything, it'd be like, okay, come on. But for some reason, the fact that he's a jerk and everybody hates him makes me not worry about him being overpowered but here's the thing about she that i think i think he's cool but i wouldn't want him as my dad in that he's fine with killing everyone on this ship by getting them all sliced up and Mm -hmm. it's revealed in the very beginning that some of the methods that he used to get criminals were not the best like they weren't really (laughs) they weren't really ethical so to speak right Right. So I think she is hyper efficient and he's really good at doing things, but he doesn't really take people into account when he's figuring out how to solve these problems. Yeah. So I I think that's true. I I think to she, saving humanity isn't about saving humanity, it's about beating the aliens. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's. I don't know if he doesn't care about humanity at all or just like maybe he's got often doesn't just his kind of a 
ends justify the means comparison. Okay. Yeah, 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 I could see that too. I could see that too. But I think yeah. that's also a pretty significant character flaw for she. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, okay, so he's definitely he's not the most likable person. No. Right? No. He has these terrible methods. He's a jerk to everybody. He steals people's cigarettes and smokes them for some reason which is just kind of gross but can, but can we talk about the power play when he gets the c- cigars from the big general and is like i'm gonna solve your problem right now <laughs> oh and the, the mic drop that he does i freaking love it he he comes up with this idea this nanowire <clears throat> cutting the ship idea and then leaves i think because they asked him to leave and then the guy's like call him back in and he's right i think he's right outside the door or something yeah. and he just comes back in <laughs> We love she. <laughs> Gotta love she. But yeah, he's over. I think he's overpowered. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. Also, how bold was it of she to shoot the nuke? Oh, yeah. Okay. We need I to, talk, to talk, about talk about this. They're in a standoff with the some of the people from the Trisolarian Earth Alliance. What was it called again? The Or ETA, I think uh something it's i think it's ets or something like that okay yes the ets they're in a standoff as the police have surrounded this meeting that's going on that they're going to arrest a bunch of them and three people grab these spheres that have been sitting in the middle of the meeting and they say these are nuclear bombs and we will detonate them if you don't Oh, and all you have to do is let... Well, I think they just had to let Yi go. Yeah, their, something like Their that. demands were pretty basic. <laughs> and she looks over to an explosives expert that he's got with him. And the guy looks at she and is like, maybe. Let's, <laughs> let's throw him these... Let's throw him a bag and a scale, like a fish scale, and see if they're telling the truth. And so one by one, these people take their metal orb, put it in the bag, and put it on the fish scale. The first two show that the orb is pretty light. And the explosives guy is like, ha, that's not a nuke. Okay, first off, that doesn't prove anything. <laughs> Maybe it's way smaller than the size of the orb. Yeah. You don't know. I, I don't know that much about nukes. <laughs> to be fair, I don't either. <laughs> but the people holding them are terrible actors because as soon as they put it on the scale it's like oh well you're right you got me come on play it up a little bit more right right but then the last one she takes it puts it in the scale holds it up oh this one's very heavy must be a nuke is what they say right so i think this is the part that's a little it's a little silly. Just a little. <laughs> Although, okay, I don't remember what they call the scale. Uh-huh. I took it the way that you're taking it as it's weighing the mass yeah. or the weight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the first two, if they're super light, you could say, I don't, I don't know much about nukes, but maybe they have to be, no matter how small they are, they have to be pretty heavy, let's say. Okay, sure. Maybe and there's like a heavier than whatever this is. Okay, yeah. Fine. So you can maybe say that those definitely aren't nukes because they're not heavier than whatever the scale is weighing. Yes, gotcha. The heavy one, you could say maybe it's a nuke. 
because it is pretty heavy. But you can't. I think he's the explosive effort is or the explosive expert is pretty confident. He's like, oh yeah, that's probably a nuke. But it can't. If it's just weighing, if it's just measuring the mass of it, uh huh, that's not definitive proof at all. Not even close. That could just be a heavy metal ball because it's light enough for this woman to carry it. So yeah. it's not like you could say maybe nukes have to be, I don't know, this size have to be like 400 kilograms. It's like, okay, that's super heavy. That's not going to be just a metal ball, but she's carrying it. So it could just be a metal ball. Yes. The other thing about it, Luke, is he's doing a lot of estimation with this. He's because he's they're using the density, right? Right. He's using the density to say, oh, it's probably uranium or plutonium because it's this heavy. I mean, you're going to stake a nuke. You're going to stake your claim that that's a nuke based on your eye, probably at like 50 feet at least for this sphere and how big it is. And then quickly do a calculation in your head about what density you're working with. Oh yeah, do a little do a little molecular weight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no calculation there. Come on. And then okay, after- let's get. To, I was gonna say let's get to the next stage of this, where he says, you know what, you could probably just shoot it, and it'll explode, but it won't be like a nuke explosion. And then he, <laughs> Dashi, I think is like really. He's like, I think I think so, pro- probably. Yeah, I think so. With not much confidence. And she says, yeah, I'll take that. You mm-hmm. said probably, right? You said probably? Okay, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it immediately. There's no waiting. He's just like, yeah, I'll take the shot. Yeah, this is another... I mean, this is could be another example of Dashi just not caring about people that much here's the thing about that how how big do you think these spheres are like volume i'm picturing i'm picturing like a little smaller than a soccer ball okay she decides he can hit that from whatever distance he's at right yeah so what other part what other part could you hit on somebody that's a, a little smaller than a soccer ball that wouldn't cause an explosion. Okay. Yes. Fair. They're noggin. We are both thinking they're, it. They're noggin. They're noggin. Yeah. And she decides he'd rather go for the cool explosives. Yeah. Cause it's not like this person has, it's not like a hostage situation where the person is holding the hostage in front of them. She's fine hitting either one of them. Right. Yeah. And he decides to go with the the sphere. Maybe he thought that it would be cooler. It was cooler. I'll, you know, I'll say that. It was cooler. And I guess you could say that, you know, you kind of knock it out of commission when you explode the sphere. No, Somebody else couldn't pick it up and try it. But then again, you have him surrounded with police. As, sh- as soon as this person drops the sphere there's no way you're gonna let anybody else touch it right so i mean come on (laughs) yeah fair this is that was an interesting scene it was it was i 
Dashi looked very cool. And he got some he got some cool entries. Yeah, to, radiation like, hero. poisoning. Very, <laughs> very cool. cool. Very cool injury. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us a little bit later. Well, okay, it's another flashback from Yi when she meets uh, Mike Evans for the first time, and he kind of explains. I guess at this point he hadn't been part of their group, which he's the he's the leader of the Adventists, I think. And we get her first like conversation with him and basically a motive as to why he's now siding with her in this group. And last episode, I had an issue with the the jump from Yi to being like a normal person almost, or I don't know about normal person, but well, okay, I'll just say the idea, the the lack of a motive for her to like choose to destroy, essentially destroy the human race. I had some issues with last episode. Yes, this the Mike Evans motive I think is much better. Okay, as in I'm not saying I sympathize with it, uh-huh. but I like I can picture it much better. Because he's seen all of these people not care about the earth or anything like that. And just like how selfish people can be and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And he has this motive that I can I can picture people having that motive. Right? And I can picture there being people that are like radicalized with this idea in mind. And I just I thought that was really cool. And I just it kind of showed how i think insignificant yi's motive was yeah yi just saw people kill each other and her dad died which in a very brutal way let's be real right but then she had a life that was like not great but not that bad either whereas mike evans spent years of his life planting this forest and the people who were tearing it down weren't even like i don't know i don't want to say that the people in the like cultural revolution thing were being evil necessarily but everyone kind of knew that they were not doing a great thing Mm -hmm. like as soon as they killed her dad everyone was like whoa hold on this is not good whereas the farmers who are chopping down the trees i don't think you could say really that they're doing something evil necessarily they're logging to make money presumably to feed their families and Mm -hmm. they're just trying to do it before somebody else does and then it's gone so they have to go cut down all the trees because if they don't somebody else will yeah i i get that and it makes it seem inevitable it makes it seem like it makes it seem like human nature has to do this exactly but there is a great counter to this philosophy I guess, that's presented in the book. And the great counter is with human sacrifice, Luke. So in the book, the Trisolarians are presented as Europeans coming to destroy the Aztecs who killed a bunch of people. And I mean, they did other things too, but for the sake of this book, it presents the Aztecs as committing human sacrifice and the europeans came and they didn't do human sacrifice 
at one point in European history, they committed human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Human beings have sacrificed other people at points in time. But we have decided we're not going to do that anymore. And today, very few people commit human sacrifice. (laughs) So few. A vanishingly small number of people. (laughs) I mean, if if the book... These people seem like flat earthers, where they only want to look at the parts of evidence that support their perspective and ignore the rest of it. Because there are so many examples of how human society and human culture has changed that don't necessarily, that isn't necessarily in our short-term benefit, right? It Mm -hmm. might be to our detriment in the short-term, but we still make a change for the long-term goal. Right. Right. And okay, we're not doing nearly enough right now, but we're definitely doing that for environmentalism now like there is a big global push now for environmentalism that yeah if we said whatever drill baby drill we could probably all have iphone 20s or whatever i don't know but we're like intentionally limiting our progress in order to support the environment yeah okay so i think my my point is that well, okay, just to your point, yes. I think that the Mike Evans and this wing of the group and this particular motive is not a good one because first of all, you don't you have no idea that the Trisolarians are gonna be better. Right. And you have pretty good evidence that humans get better with this kind of thing over time. Well, I don't I don't know if that's true, but you can There's a possibility. Right. It's not hopeless. Right. I think my point is more that I can totally see there being people that have this motive. Yes, 100%. I agree. So I'm I'm trying to say that this is this is better to me. I can picture Mike Evans being the leader of some environmental terrorism group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No. no, no. Okay. I got you. I I, (laughs) I've met people like this. Yes. But that 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 okay, point is that motive felt good to me, yeah. And it was I was a little bummed that we didn't get something like that for Yi, considering she's like the leader of this group. Yeah. Well, Mike Evans was was pretty much the leader for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Because they said Yi is really just like the she's spiritual kind of the leader. Yeah, she's yeah. the figurehead. Yeah. But. <laughs> Okay, can we talk about this game, please? All right. Dude, this freaking game sucks. <laughs> okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do a third episode on how shitty the game is. Here's why it's shitty. Here's why. The very fundamental principle behind the game is wrong. Here's what I mean. The point of the game is to solve the three-body problem. If I'm in a video game, everything in that video game has to be simulated for it to exist. That means the three bodies in the video game are being simulated. (laughs) If I'm simulating three bodies in a video game, 
there's two options. Either one, I've solved the three-body problem already, and they're being simulated perfectly. Or two, it's an approximation on the three-body problem in order to put it into a video game, and everybody trying to solve it in the game will never actually solve the three-body problem because they're just solving the version of it that's in this video game. <laughs> okay, yes. I, I My rebuttal to this. I, I think your point is very valid. Were it a normal video game? Okay. My rebuttal is that this is not a video game. This is a propaganda video. Because okay. I'm assuming that everyone that goes in this is seeing essentially the same thing that Wang does. Yeah. Which is just scenes of people trying to solve the three-body problem, which are scenes of history of the Trisolaran uh, world, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they're actually modeling the three-body problem. I think they just have certain scenes that they know happened, and they're putting that into this experience. Yes, Luke. This brings us to, I guess, not really a theory, kind of a theory, but I also don't think the game is real. I think it's pure propaganda because when Wang gets to the very end of the game, there is this like point when everything shuts down and then it kind of boots back up with the final level. And that seemed very rushed to me. And... The reason it was very rushed, I think, had to do with events outside in the world. They had to get everybody to this final point to make sure everybody saw that the Trisolarians are coming and to discredit any attempt to solve the three-body problem. And I think the very so I think the very last scene was put in there by the the Adventists, right? They're the Adventists. Mhm. Mm and the Adventists don't care about solving the three-body problem. Right. The reason why... I, th I think the rest of the game was largely kind of supported by... What was the other faction? It was... Like Redemptionists or Redemptionists. something like that? Yeah, and they actually would like to solve the three-body problem. But what happens in that last um, clip that we see in the three-body problem is Wang brings this algorithm that he thinks can solve the three-body problem into the game. And he mm -hmm. says, look at this, I think I've done it. And they just quickly brush him off and say, no, 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 we've, we've tried that already, that's not going to work. Trust us, we've done that a lot. Not going to work. What? <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I think it was put in there specifically as propaganda to keep people from trying to solve it because of the two factors that one, the game, if it's actually a game, it's just simulating the three-body problem anyway. And two, I think it was specifically just put in there by the Adventists. And they weren't really interested in solving the three-body problem in the first place. They were just, as you said, trying to show that it was impossible. Right. And I think that when, when you first said that, I was trying to figure out why they're rushing. Because they have like 400 years. But... I'm, I think it's because of this, I forget his name, but this math prodigy guy that's been working on the three-body problem. Because they, they, Pong or whatever his name is, tries to kill him. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm, I'm assuming that that's the emergency, that this guy is in danger of solving the three-body problem, which would like negate everything. I think that's what it is too. And so I think they're showing this last piece as the final nail in the coffin. Like everybody stop working on this problem. And I, and that's why I think it's the Adventists who are doing this because they don't want people to solve the three-body problem. Yeah. And the Adventists seem like the people that have, at this point, all the power. Right, right. In this group. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, let's talk about... Let's talk about the actual, so we get some insight into the Trisolarian, the real Trisolarian world. Let's talk about that a little bit. The first thing that I want to say is that we we get this scene with the leader of their world, and he gives insight into how they have developed as a society several times, and they're like this super regimented or autocratic. I don't know if I'm using the right terms here, but <laughs> the way that their culture is set up is because that's the only way that it can exist. And cultures like what we have on earth are not, are too like free to work here. Okay, buddy, <laughs> you guys haven't done anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This seems, this seems not true <laughs> because what are they, what are they doing successfully? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Here, here's the other thing about it. And, and we're going to look at this from a much bigger picture here. I mean, yeah, your society's going to die at some point. I mean, so is earth. Like someday the sun is going to grow to the size of, well, I was going to say a much bigger sun because there's not really a bigger thing. It's going to grow very big and swallow the earth up. Right. And there's nothing we're going to be able to really do to stop that. Probably. I don't know. I'm not going to assume. But we're probably going to die at some point. And so the fact that some cultures decided, yeah, let's make music for a little while. Let's have art. Let's have nice things. I'm not going to knock them. That's fine. Right. Like no society is going to live forever. He's so he said basically that a society like ours wouldn't survive X amount of hours, which I don't know how many it was, but it seemed like a low number. Mm -hmm. I don't get why. Because I don't know why this society would be better at surviving their world because they they're going to die if there's one of these huge events anyway. Yeah. So basically, they're better at surviving in chaotic er er eras, mm -hmm. I guess, mm -hmm. which is just like when it gets super cold or super hot. I, I think we could, I think, I don't think music and art are like counter to surviving in colder, hot places. <laughs> this is a fair point. But in their defense... um. You could argue that you have resources being wasted on music and art when those resources could be used to maybe bury somebody really deep into the planet that then maybe they could survive or, I don't know, making a better system for telling people to dehydrate than a guy running in on a horse. 
I mean, sure. I, I, I guess I, I guess my point is just that this is... It's unclear to me whether this is in there as absolute truth or this government, for lack of a better word, giving out propaganda as to why they're like this. Oh, for sure. I think it's definitely that one. I mean, there's... Like, every society thinks that their way is the only way to do things. And so, of course, he's going to say, oh, we, we could never work like the other cultures because we wouldn't survive. Right. But that's so, only... Okay, so I think in in a real world, this would be pure pop propaganda. I think it's unclear to me whether in this story it's set up as true or just propaganda. Which, I mean, I'm the, we might as well just say it's propaganda because I don't know what benefit we have in discussing this but here we are <laughs> yeah i think that's fair i took it as propaganda okay sure can let's let's also acknowledge they must have such good archaeologists yes <laughs> because they know exactly what has happened in the past civilizations uh-huh. Which have survived apparently these ruins slash fossils, whatever they're getting this information from, has survived the world burning, everything being sucked into the sun's gravity, and then the big split where the moon gets created, I guess. And then I forget how many years he says, but it's like tens of millions of years of evolution. That's pretty impressive that they can figure they can figure out everything about all these other civilizations. Yeah. It's almost like maybe he's just making all this shit up. <laughs> you ever think about that? Is this Oh, okay. This is our theory for future books. That this alien race, this super authoritarian hardline alien race has used propaganda to subjugate all their people that Many, many civilizations have come and gone. The ones that made music and culture didn't last more than a day. But our empire will outlast the sun because we're strict, because I'll murder everyone who disobeys me. Right. This is it. And they're okay, just, this is, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we've gotten here. And he's just making it up. It's, there's, there's no archaeologists. Are you kidding me? Right, yeah. None of this has happened in the past. All this story about the like pendulums to hypnotize the god that happened in one society not real they built that as a propaganda to say an old society thought this didn't actually happen i'm liking this i'm liking this theory and so the video game him telling the other trisolarians what was going on all of it is pure propaganda in order to allow them to take over earth ooh here's okay so we have to assume that their world does have these like chaotic eras and stable eras mm -hmm. because they've seen this. Yes. But they have not seen one of these extinction level events. Exactly. So we don't even know if that's real. Yeah. Because by its very nature, if there was one of the, these events, no one would remember it. No one would say... Oh, yeah, I do remember we had one of these really bad things that happened. Oh, and man, so it's a really a it's a really convenient way of saying tons of civilizations have come and gone. 
you don't have to provide any proof of it because it doesn't exist i'm loving it actually this may have just like turned me back around on this book if i'm (laughs) if i'm being honest which before we get to reviews there's i have one more thing i want to talk about oh i have a few more okay you go ahead mine's like the last sciencey bit that comes in at the end the the siphons yes okay yeah that's what mine's about <laughs> basically just that we're given they're taking a lot of liberties with the like abilities of these guys <laughs> like they're just these are just magic exactly this this is a part when for most of the book we're on a pretty good scientific foundation maybe the thing with the sun is true it seemed like it could be true to me i don't know but this thing with the proton ah come on buddy i i don't think so <laughs> maybe i'm too dumb i don't know maybe i'm too we dumb. can't know <laughs> right there's no way for us to to fact check this right exactly and so this is where the magic comes in yeah <laughs> can we okay 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 in order to make Earth easier for them to conquer, they created these two, what do they call them, sophons? Uh, yeah. Sophons, which are just protons that they've put a computer essentially into that can travel near the speed of light and interfere with our science that happens in super collider. Or, um, what are those called? Yeah, super, super collider. Super colliders, yeah. Particle accelerator. Particle accelerators, mm-hmm. And they decided that this is the most effective way of preparing the Earth for their arrival, was to get these particles that could zip around near the speed of light to stop our science from progressing. There is a scene before they send the protons to Earth where they turn them from 11-dimensional objects into 3-dimensional objects, and they form these like weird geometric shapes. And they can command the protons to do this at will. So why don't you just have all the the two protons that you have whiz around to every human on Earth and just turn into a 3D shape inside of our skull? <laughs> just killing all humans, you mean? I mean, yeah, because that's that would stop our science pretty quick, I think. Yeah. And they decided they need to wipe us out because they identified us as another war-mongering race, which it sounds like they've seen other aliens. Ooh, I didn't think about that. I I don't want to get too into that because that's a lot to unpack <laughs> there. But right. they identify humans as violent like they are. And so they have to take us out because we can't coexist. This is what the leader of their planet decides. So killing us would be a pretty good way of solving that problem. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Just make your proton wizard magic kill us all. Yeah, I think this is the issue with creating something that was so powerful. Because these things can do anything. It's like obviously not anything, but well, but it's weird, right? These things have the capability to one hundred percent stop all particle accelerator 
action. And that is it. And communicate. But they have every everything they need to no matter what we do, they can stop all particle accelerator action. And so they have this immense power to do one very, very, very specific job. Right. When it seems like they could use that power to do something that's way less specific. Okay, yeah, exactly. What the, It seems like the power that they have, that they can give these protons, is much wider reaching than the specific goal that they have set for them. And we see them do random things like the this is what's responsible for the the uh the count radiation the countdown yes the the radiation winking that wang sees it's just like these are not very you could do better things with this (laughs) i think this is the ultimate example of what we talked about last episode where she was playing chess instead of checkers. Okay. Yeah. I feel like this is actually that where she was playing chess and the game was chess, but these aliens are playing like Starcraft and we're <laughs> playing chess. Just it, this is much easier. You're making this much more complicated alien. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. I also think that their technology is really is weirdly unbalanced. You know what I mean? Okay. Because if 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 they can do this to a proton, they can't find any way around their issues. Wait, hold on. Okay. This we've we've freaking solved it right here. Luke, I'm so glad you've brought us to this point because I'm about to bust it all open right here. All right. Oh, no. Our planet has three suns, so we can't predict how they'll move, and we're in trouble a lot of the time. Let's develop super advanced technology so that we can make a proton, a supercomputer that can do all kinds of crazy stuff, and then develop a way of moving one of the suns away let's just build a big tractor and push one of the suns way way far away and we take a three-body problem now it's a two-body problem boom solved there's a you could do you could do more than that okay i mean not more than that but there's there's other solutions okay example they have this issue or they have this thing where they're they're etching this proton and they get it to cover the entire world, which blocks out the sun and makes it super cold. Oh my gosh. Do you can do you can do this. <laughs> You're saying they, I mean, okay. they could do it when it gets super hot so they don't all die? <laughs> I'm saying that, yes. Or they could or they could send it to the sun so that they could just block out one of the suns. It doesn't Right. It doesn't even need to block out their entire planet. They could just say, yeah, three suns is a lot right now. Let's only do two. Let's take two for a little while. The third one will just be dark. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't. Yeah. Okay. So that would that would solve the hot days. I don't know what would solve the cold days, but there's something. Well, they have it. It's like a mirror like surface, right? Mm -hmm. When the sun gets really far away. Have it focus right, have the light. Have a series of mirrors. Have it focus the light back onto your planet. 
Dude, these people just want to. You know what? It's because we have oil. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got. They oil. haven't solved. They haven't solved the renewable energy issue. Right. So they need to invade because we've got oil. Damn. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. Okay. All right. Are we ready to talk about this book, Luke? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you go first because you've already kind of tipped your hand a little bit. So you go ahead and just show us the whole the whole deal. Okay. What are you working with? So let me first say that our conversation just now has intrigued me a little bit because this is the first of a trilogy, I think. And I like the idea of this being propaganda in terms of... I, I, I would like the idea of this story turning into kind of what we've outlined where this alien race actually everything that we've seen has been a lie essentially so let me just say that that sounds cool if if something like that were to happen this would be a great setup for it okay so there's a chance that this is a super good setup book but i'm just going to renew review this book as an individual and the first thing i guess is that the and this might be due to the translation i think we can chalk up a decent amount of this up to the fact that it's translated and by someone that's not the author right so maybe the here's here's the word that i don't know maybe the prose has been like we don't get any of the of the writing style of the author but so i thought i thought the the writing was a little wooden um I didn't really find many of the characters like I didn't get into any of the characters like I didn't wasn't rooting for anybody and didn't didn't find the characters super interesting. And for I mean kind kind of the same with the story like I'm kind of a character person so if the characters aren't that interesting the story's not that interesting to me. Um so the characters weren't super interesting therefore the story I wasn't quite as into. So that means that since it's a sci-fi book, the science has to like blow me away, which I think this there were parts like we mentioned earlier where there were cool science things brought up. And so some of it was interesting, but the overall science bits did not necessarily blow me away. And this ending where everything that we've seen set up like the the winking out or the winking of the like background radiation of the universe uh the fact that scientists are getting these erroneous results all that kind of thing is explained by something that's essentially akin to magic to us took it away a little bit um so i don't know i could see this being a cool setup for a book or for a series but on its own, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Yeah, yeah. I think we're largely on the same page. In terms of like story and and characters, I agree with you a lot. I feel like the first two-thirds of this book should have been cut down to like maybe a third. And then the last two-thirds or the last third should have been the middle third. And then I'm... I've heard that the next book is considerably better and the third book is just like stellar. And so 
maybe just like some of the second book should have been the end of the first book because it started like I could feel the end of this book getting into some really cool stuff like the scene with the ship was really cool and there's this tension now building because the aliens are coming and it seems like there's this big problem we're gonna have to solve and now we kind of know what the problem is to think about how we could solve it so I feel like that was really cool but it just didn't have enough of it to be its own contained story for me. And that, in addition to things like all the female characters were pretty one-dimensional and or emotional, like they were all acting on out of emotion most of the time. And and this is a criticism that other people have had, even in the like Chinese trends, like the non-translated original Chinese text. So uh, my friend who I talked with this book about, that was one of her complaints, was that the female characters are pretty stereotypical. And I asked my friend about the right, left, right, left, straw cloth, straw cloth shoe joke. Okay, yeah. Uh, My joke that I thought it was was much funnier. The joke is basically what we read. The joke is that these soldiers are just so dumb, they don't know right from left. (laughs) They only know straw from cloth. Okay. That's the That's joke. Not, not, I mean. Not a good it's joke. Not blowing, it's not blowing me away. Right. So, yeah, I I will probably pick up the second book and read a couple chapters. And if it keeps me going, maybe I'll, maybe I'll keep reading the book. But I'm not. If the second book. I'm not immediately sold. Like, it's going to have to win me back. I'm not... Right. So I think I'm kind of on the same page with you where I have heard that the second and third books are much better than the first. And I think my issue is that that's fine. Like, maybe the series as a whole is super good, but the first book by itself has has not interested me enough to want to automatically pick up the next one. Right. So were I living in a vacuum and hadn't heard that the second and third books were super good, I would probably not pick them up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The other thing that I, I should mention is I I like the science stuff, but I also think that this book really did a good job of introducing interesting philosophy about science and the human race. But then again, any sci-fi book that takes place near the time period of modern day humans should be looking at these themes of alien. What is it like to contact aliens? What does it mean for us as a species to exist? Uh, You know, what are the limits of science? What are the ethics of science? Any sci-fi book should be dealing with these questions. So it did those things, and I think it did them in a way that was fairly interesting, but not outstanding enough to re- redeem the entire book in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and one more thing to to the book's credit, and I don't know if this is necessarily fair to say just to give it props for this, but I had not, I think reading about the cultural revolution was cool and tying that into the book was cool. I'm don't know that much about the cultural revolution. So that's part of why it was interesting. 
So like, I don't know if that's giving it too much credit. Yeah. Because if it was, if it was bringing in U.S. history that I already knew about, I don't think I would be super interested by it. But just that was another part that I thought was cool, actually, for this book. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So you've heard what we think about it. You know, we'd love to hear what you think about it. If you want to tweet at us Mm -hmm. at DC to BC, let us know if you love three body problem, hate a three body, three body problem. (laughs) Give us, give us your rebuttal of our arguments. We'd love that. We'd love it. Um, Uh, But next, you know, we're starting a a new book next week. That's right, Luke. We are starting Touch of Iron by Tamandra Whitecastle next week. Yeah. Read about read about a third of it. And, and uh, we'll yeah. see you next week with some hot takes. And some dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs>